This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built-in six sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making this show possible. Episodes release every Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. How many of you out there feel like a hot mess the majority of the time? I know I do. I'm raising my hand. I can feel and sense many of you are raising your hands too, but don't do that if you're driving. <laughs> Today's episode is with an author who wrote a book to help us through exactly this. It's called A Little Less of a Hot Mess, The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution. Her name is Caitlin Soule, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in California, and she specializes in women's mental health, anxiety, and helping families live well. Beyond her work as a therapist, Caitlin is a mom to three, a wife to a firefighter, and the author of her newly released book, Caitlin brings a fresh and modern voice to the world of psychology, motherhood, and parenting, and has been published in various media outlets, including the Washington Post, New York Post, Scary Mommy, Psych Central, and more. By leading conversations around mental health, she helps modern adults develop more agency and live a life that lines up with their values instead of their fears. Caitlin, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on one of my favorite podcasts. And as you know, I am a big fan of yours as a person, as a podcast host, as a journalist. So thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Completely. I love that we got to meet IRL after our pandemic friendship at the <laughs> Mother Honestly Summit. And then again at Mom 2.0. When we hugged each other, it just felt like, ah, I, I can't wait to like be here with you. It was great. Yeah, I feel that too. Every once in a while, you just meet somebody like that where you just feel the instant connection. And that's what it felt like. But I feel, I'm sure many people feel like that when they meet you. So thank you. Well, let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about your personal backstory and how you became a mother first and then later on birthed your book. That's where I feel like in so many ways I was born, right? There was like a me before kids and then there's a me after kids. And I know that many women and mothers feel the same. You know, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Like I wasn't one of those kids who dreamed of like exactly how many babies I was going to have and how it would look. But I knew that motherhood was, or I wanted motherhood to be in my future. And so 
I became a mom very quickly after we, we got married at around 30. I assumed it was going to take me a while to get pregnant just because I I know the stories, being in the work that I am. I worked with a lot of women who were dealing with infertility. And fortunately, it happened very quickly for us. And then it was like came as this huge surprise. We got pregnant. I think it was, I know, it was two months after we got married. And then I had two girls within 15 months of each other. So really fast track. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fast track into motherhood. And then ended up having my son a couple years later. Of course, there was some stuff in between, right? Um, and I think something that that really relates to the birth of my book was my experience in early motherhood of having two kids so close together and experiencing what I now know as postpartum depression or anxiety, maybe a little bit of both. But when we're in it, we can't always see it, right? Even the therapists, right? Like sometimes we just don't see it in ourselves. And that experience of being so lost or having lost myself so deeply in motherhood and feeling so overwhelmed had me at a point where I was struggling and needed to find myself again ended up doing my own work. And through that, uh, came up with this sort of process that I call imperfect growth and evolution and decided in the middle of the pandemic to write about it. And that's really how, how my book was born. <laughs> wow. Wow. I just want to backpedal a little bit because I think it's so profound and honest for you to say that you faced your mental health issues head on as mm -hmm. a therapist. That's so important because anyone else, you know, me included, we think that you have all the tools, you have it all figured out, you know, exactly how to deal with triggers. And then this is something that we all go through. Parenthood will throw you for a loop. And then you're just like, wow, I, I can't feel the ground underneath my feet. And I need to just reassess how I'm doing life. Yes. So I appreciate that you have been on that journey yourself and you had to, you know, go past the science and the, you know, all the, the knowledge and, and years of experience that you've acquired and find things that are practically working for you. Honestly, that was the hardest part. I think you spoke to that so well, I think for any profession you're in, but especially if you're in the field of wellness or personal growth or mental health, there's this like sort of self-stigma we have, right? Where it's like, we should be able to, and let alone just as women and as moms, we feel like we should be able to handle all the things. I think externally, it looked like everything was fine. You know, many people can relate to that, but inside I felt like a hot mess and, and not like in a cute way. I know the title of my book is cute, but like it, <laughs> I really felt like a hot mess to be able to say like, waving the flag. Like I need some help here. It took me a while. It didn't happen overnight, but I'm sure glad I did. It helps me understand like on a visceral level, what the women I'm working with who are especially new moms are going through. Although my experience isn't exactly the same. I can feel what it feels like to be in their shoes. Yes. 100%. Tell us about what you uncover in the book. It's a kind of a, a mix of my own personal experience and my clinical experience, of course. Um, it's really hard to separate the two in, in my line of work. But the process that I created called Imperfect Growth and Evolution consists of three R's. So it's rewrite, restore, reclaim. And so the rewrite part of the book, I broke it up into three sections. I, I broke it up into three sections because I really wanted the book to be digestible 
and like usable. I didn't want to write a book where people were like, oh, that was some great information, like moving on. I wanted them to be able to come back to it and actually like have some tools to use. So the rewriting piece was really mimicked my own process, which was what are the beliefs that I'm holding on to in my life? And especially as it pertains to motherhood, that don't really serve me anymore. One of those, for instance, was I should feel right any kind of way. Like I should feel grateful only to be a mom. Like I should always have all that BS about positive vibes and gratitude. And, you know, I love gratitude, but the idea that motherhood is enough, that couldn't be further from the truth, from what my own experience was. I wasn't Mm -hmm. always feeling grateful. I was feeling resentful a lot of times of of the imbalance of, of the load of what I was carrying versus my partner. And how was I supposed to do it all? Yet I felt like I should be the one to do it all. So all those beliefs that I had come to hold that were passed down to me from culture, society, my own family of origin, I found myself needing to challenge those. And then I realized, huh, that's very similar to the work that I do with clients when they need to challenge these beliefs that aren't working for them anymore. So the first part of the book was really about how do we first notice what beliefs we're holding in the space of motherhood that aren't serving us well, and then how do we challenge them and change them? And at the end of each that part, I, I really, like I said, I really wanted there to be a, like an exercise. So you'll find exercises at the end of each chapter. Yes. I love that. I want to just draw on one now. So this is on page 152 and it's under reclaim your life. It says, let's work toward change. So where do we start when it comes to cultivating a growth mindset for ourselves and helping our children to do the same? And at the end of the day, that, I think that's the key concept here. That's why I started the this whole show is, you know, how do we find purpose in our lives and then enrich our kids to do exactly that and, you know, kind of build up this next generation by leading by example. So once you figure out what that stuck point is for you, see if you can create some space around it by even just imagining doing something differently. If you've always wanted to start a blog, but are worried you don't have enough to say, or that people will judge you, start with keeping a journal. Remember, it doesn't matter where you start, just that you decide to start. It'll be worth it, I promise, both for you and your children. And on the practice part of it, I love that there's pages where you can take notes and and use as a scratch pad for all your ideas and, and visualizations and everything. So the practice is, who in your life do you admire for exhibiting a growth mindset? Somebody who has made mistakes, but continues to keep moving forward or trying again. When in your life could you have benefited from adopting a stronger growth mindset? How willing are you to make mistakes or fail in the service of your values? And lastly, pick one thing you're committed to trying to do that is risky and uncertain, but you believe will help you grow and take that up, whether it's public speaking, starting that podcast, whatever it may be. I love that you are encouraging your readers as you're educating them. Oftentimes when we're reading self-help books, if you will, we tend to disengage because it's like, okay, that you just came at me with a lot and I wasn't able to connect it to my own day-to-day rigmarole. So then it's like, you've only read a book a few chapters in and 
That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. So the fact that you tie it back into the reader's own personal account is brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. I think that was really, like I said, I think part of being a therapist is we, and the work of therapy is we recognize that it's not a one way, like I'm not the expert sharing things with you. I am a person collaborating with you and together we will work through this. And so I really wanted to, yeah, to write the book in that way. And it's really the best work that I've done has always been collaborative and reflective. Yes. And now tell us more about how you devised your 12 invitations. I don't have any like scientific process other than sitting down and thinking about the myriad of issues that people come into therapy with when it comes to feeling stuck and the issues that I've had. So things like changing narratives, things like setting boundaries, things like letting go of people pleasing, uh, sitting with uncertainty. Those are all the, the main issues that I see people come into therapy with. And that, like I said, I've experienced myself. So I sat down and I thought about all the sort of key players in this work of growth and came up with that. And there were 12 of them. There's there's probably more, but I think that those are the main ones. And when I said no scientific process, what's really interesting is I'm a big fan of, okay, I've seen thousands of clients at this point. And so I think it is, you know, it, it's, it's research in the sense of like, I know what pe- real life people are actually coming in to talk about. And I wanted to make it an invitation instead of like, this is what you need to do. Because I feel like as we're speaking to the invitation into growth, leaves so much more room for flexibility and space for each person's individual experience. So I wanted to be inviting instead of like a demand. Yes, I love that. Can you share some of, you know, your client stories, those that have been able to, you know, make progress in their lives and of course, keeping things confidential? Absolutely. Yes. So I think I I shared one of my favorite stories. I I shared a bit about it in the book was actually a story of a, of a mom. She, her kids were in their twenties at the time she came to see me and she had spent years and years, decades really of dedicating her life to her children and, and being in service to them and everyone else, not just her children, her partner, her work in the world and had found herself at this impasse where she felt like who am I now that my kids are gone and out of the house and what is my worth and what is my value? So this I think comes up in the, in the chapter around people pleasing and the ability to actually say what it is I want or need has to start with like knowing what you want or need. And I think we lose that so often in motherhood. And this client of mine was such a beautiful example of having lost it. And then we worked to towards finding it again and really, you know, much later than, than I wished for her. I wish that she could have found this a little earlier, but Hey, it's better later than never to help her figure out who she is, what excites her. You know, this really speaks to, I know you're also a fan of Eve Rodsky's work. She wrote a book called finding your unicorn space. And she talks about the importance of diving into creativity and not in the sense of like becoming an artist or necessarily right cliche, but it's like, what is it that brings you passion and joy? And so for my client, we really had to, before I even knew about unicorn space, dive into that kind of work. And it was just so beautiful to see this woman come into herself. She actually started ironically like painting and she had painted years before she had children and got back into it and was just this beautiful painter. And she was able to share her work with her friends and family. And with that, I'll just end with this. I also saw um, she'd originally come in for anxiety 
And so I got to see her anxiety decrease. She got to experience a little bit more ease. And I think that speaks to the power of letting go of the people pleasing and letting go of that belief that our identity is completely wrapped in our children. Yes. Yes. 100%. And what is your take on resolutions that are holistic versus allopathic? Because when you are at a point where anxiety is high and you might be, have been diagnosed with postpartum depression or anxiety, or just your usual day-to-day, I feel like everyone has some level of depression or anxiety in their life, especially because of social media and just the day and age that we live in, everything is just go, go, go. Oftentimes there are, uh, you know, physicians and psychiatrists who say medicating is the only way. Okay. If you're feeling this way often, well, then here's some Lexapro. I'm more of a talk therapy growth mindset kind of person. And it's like, but isn't that just a band-aid? And I'm not saying I don't want to be ruling out all those that have chosen to go that option. And it's, it's totally viable. You know, that that's not the issue at all, but sometimes it's like just treating the symptom. And it's like, believe me, even if I'm on this, I'm going to be faced with some new challenges when the kids are at this phase of life. And you shouldn't have to be like, oh, the, this this pill is going to help me indefinitely. So I, I want to have other tools that are either supplemental or would allow me to not have to be on medications, period. Yeah, I go to the both and. I think that sometimes people have the level of anxiety and depression and where medication is indicated and can be really, really helpful, even just to get them to the point where they can do the things we're talking about, right? Engage yeah. in therapy, engage in reading a self-development book, engage in their life again. So I think medication is a key, can be a key element of it. And I also think it's true that sometimes medication is the first line response when really therapy or community systemic change should be the response or would be a more helpful response. And then there's the third category, which I think a lot of people fall into where it's like the both, where it's like, I, I need some medication and I need some therapy and it changes with time. And with like you're saying, when your kids are different ages and different stages, like what your, what your capacity is. Right. And when you're dealing with postpartum, postpartum anxiety and depression, sometimes first year of life, man, I wish I would have leaned on some medication in that time. I didn't really recognize it, but it could have been really helpful. So yeah, I think it's just a really complicated complicated topic, but I love having conversations about it. And I think we need to have more. Yes. Yes. 100%. I think you're a therapist who is supportive and a safe space that someone can talk to about that. And I just, I appreciate that. It's not like, you know, let's get this script and, you know, out the door. It's, there's so much more to that. Yes, so much more. And I think that, like I said, more often than not, I when I'm referring people to psychiatry for a medication evalu- evaluation, it's almost always because I think they can just do better work and will make progress faster if they have some help of medication. And then I love seeing clients go through the process, you know, maybe having medication for a while and then they're like, okay, I'm ready to try getting off it. And then we work through that. And so then we dig deeper. So it's all, I think it's the point is, is there's not, like you said, there's not a bandaid. There's not just like one fix, which is why I'm really anti, like, here's your exact morning routine to achieve optimal wellness. It's like, give me a break. Like that is just so unrealistic. 
Right, right. Oh, I love that. I love that you can keep it real that way. Tell me how you've applied a lot of these principles in raising your kids and helping your clients raise their kids where now you're helping them with their own growth mindset. Sure. In my own life, it looks like permission to be imperfect, permission to do things like this, like jump on a podcast in the morning and then work on my writing and also make time where I can for myself to go for a run or something. It looks like living what I'm preaching so that I'm investing in myself and in my whole self. And then also so that my kids see me doing that. And then I, if they choose to become parents, have permission to do the same. So I think that's really what I'm trying to model that both because it feels good to me and because I think it will affect them in a positive way. And, and with my clients, I think it's really the same. I think it's like encouraging them to take these smaller steps towards growth. I think so so often we think like, okay, I'm going to rewrite all these beliefs and then I'm going to work out every day at 6am and I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to go on this cleanse and And really, it's about making these smaller steps and strides towards change. It's about that moment that you're maybe um, in the kitchen with your kid and you lose your, you know, you lose your temper. And instead of ignoring it or instead of feeling guilt, you repair. You take the time to say, hey, mom's sorry, mom was really frustrated. Mom's imperfect, right? Mom's a human too. I think that's what it looks like. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then what about when they have their own moments of being triggered? Like, uh, just to give you a scenario, this is a heightened situation for me, pre morning. So it is, um, I have all three kids in their car seats in the back on the way to school. Sometimes they're like working on coloring or they learn letter writing in class and they're writing in presentation class. So they're writing letters. And then let's say my daughter messes up a letter and she, her, the way she wrote her letter A was too big and it just, she like messed up and now there's no eraser on the back of her pencil and she's having a total meltdown (laughs) while my two boys are making so much noise that it's just, and they're singing, (laughs) playing, having fun. But I'm also on, you know, the garden state parkway and it's like, I just, I I don't know how I can think. So now all of us have our own thing going Mm. on, meltdown in the back. And then most of the time the the brothers, they get rowdy, but they're, they're enjoying themselves. And then me being like, this is way too much stimulation for me while I'm driving. So how do we deal with each person's own, like the ability to recalibrate? Like, this is not going to throw me off because that's when I lose my shit. Do I pull over? I feel that in my bones. As you were telling that story, I was like, oh, that sounds like my morning. Like, Mm -hmm. and I literally physically feel my body start to like get tense. So I think that this speaks to what I'm going to say here is to notice what's happening in your body. This is such a therapist response, right? But what's happening in your body when you're hearing all the noise, you know, just like overstimulated because that's a huge and really difficult part of motherhood, parenthood for me is the overstimulation. And it sounds like for you too, I think it's like all the different noises, they're not even necessarily bad or they're not misbehaving. It's just noise and input coming in, right? So I think the first step is recognizing, oh, I'm feeling this in my body. I'm feeling overwhelmed. It, you know, that sort of like heat is rising, sort of speak. 
and give yourself that chance to take a deep breath or to take a breath, even to breathe before you respond. So I think it starts with acknowledging what's happening in our body, because if I don't, I'm just going to end up screaming and saying, everybody quiet or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. But if we can catch ourselves before that moment, not to be some like scripted, perfect parent, because I really, as you can tell, just don't think that's a very helpful notion, but right. say, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to notice what's happening in my body. And then I'm going to respond. So there's this like acknowledgement that happens and every mom really needs everyone to be quiet. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Let's take a beat here. Let's take a beat. And they may not be able to do that because their brains are developing and they don't have full control over their emotions, but at least you've honored yourself. And I think that's where it starts. Yes. 100%. And then how do you coach through the meltdown? In the moment, there's unfortunately not much to do other than regulate yourself and try and help maybe they they co-regulate a little bit. And then in the moment when their emotion isn't heightened and they're not melting down, I think a really great tool is to practice purposely making mistakes or purposely doing things imperfectly or to model that for them. It really can help them understand that like that's just part of being human and it's okay. I use the example of, you know, when you first jump into a pool, it's really cold, right? It's like freezing cold. And then over time, it gets warmer and warmer and we get used to it. And I think parents get confused when I give that advice. They're like, I don't want my kid then to just be making mistakes left and right. And we're like, well, that's not the problem. The problem is they're having a hard time regulating when they are making mistakes. So we actually have to like go the the other way and encourage them to make mistakes when they're not in the highly emotional state and then model it ourselves, right? Mom has to model like it's okay to make mistakes. Isn't that great? It gives us permission to be imperfect. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's so true. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. And any mom sense moment that you can share with us where you trusted your intuition A mom sense moment for me is I have a newly nine-year-old and in the beginning of the school year, she was just kind of a quick change in behavior. I noticed she was quiet, more sullen, and that was just not like her. She had previously loved school and she was very closed off about it at first, but eventually I got her to start talking and sharing that she was being sort of socially bullied at school. I know, crazy to think in third grade, but this is actually not crazy for people who are parents. And so my instinct was that this wasn't something that we could just handle at home and that I did actually need to speak up and go to the school. And in fact, I did. And they ended up forming a girls group, a friendship group with the school therapist and dealt with it really, really beautifully. And so I think that was a moment where I knew the the part, the people pleaser in me wanted to just be like, okay, we'll deal with this at home. Well, you know, I should quote unquote air quotes, be able to deal with it. But instead I, I handled it like, like a big girl and actually used my voice and, and went to the administration. So that was a mom sense moment for me. That's wonderful. And I think there are times where we can allow our kids to handle the conflict resolution, but others where we have to step in. Yes, exactly. And last but not least, where can we find you and your book? My book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, really everywhere books are sold online and then also in some stores. You can request it in your local store. And then my website is just my name, CaitlinSule.org. That's CaitlinSule.org. And then if you are in California, I do have a private practice that is growing. It's called Bay Area Modern Therapy, and that's just BayAreaModernTherapy.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining us today. I'm so thankful for you and our friendship and this book that you're helping countless um, parents navigate. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to my episode with Caitlin Soule. To learn more about her, you can log on to Well Notes for Her. And she talks about an array of topics, including motherhood through the seasons, modern parenting and reparenting, and her method on how to rewrite, restore, and reclaim our identities after kids. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta and log on to my website, that's totalmomsense.com. That's where you'll find all the episodes and videos and other series that I've launched. And of course, email me if you want to write me a quick note. My email is that's totalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.